From the PSIA ASI Studios in Lakewood, Colorado, I'm George Thomas. You're listening to First Chair. Today we're going to be talking with another one of our award winners. Catherine Hayes Rodriguez was honored with the Distinguished Service Award. Now, this award recognizes individuals who have made significant contributions to support the success of PSIA at ASI and its members. Hayes Rodriguez's long-term commitment and dedication to adaptive snow sports has provided educational programming and support to national initiatives. Since serving as one of the original examiners in the initial 1985 adaptive exam and writing the first PSIA AASI adaptive manual, she has continued to demonstrate positive leadership skills and foster connections with and between members, including serving as a mentor. Now, Catherine, that's quite the introduction for you. How do you feel about that? <laughs> well, uh, I feel good about it. I, I always want to mention that it was always a team effort with everyone that I worked with, so I can't take all the credit for everything, but thank you for a nice introduction, George. <laughs> well, we want to thank uh, Katrina Brinkerhoff for writing that as well, so I really appreciate that. You have done so much for the sport and for teaching and for adaptive. I mean, how did you even get into instruction? a long time ago. I, I, uh, I started in 1976 and uh, I was actually delaying going to college and taking a winter semester to uh, just free ski and, and working as a waitress and uh, I ended up teaching a lesson with a blind lady at uh, Ski and Climb in Nevada. It just kind of fell into it, and after that first lesson, which I was poorly trained for, but managed to survive, um, I was hooked on teaching and working with uh, adaptive skiers. So your, your actual first lesson was really an adaptive lesson that you weren't even trained for. That's correct. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it was a very fortuitous uh, thing in that um, I, I totally changed my career direction, realized I wanted to go into therapeutics and work with uh, people who had disabilities. And, uh, and from there, joined professional ski instructors and became a licensed coach and got my level three and decided that I should be able to do alpine and adaptive all at the same time. Now, Catherine, I, I've got to stay with this for a little bit because you showed an incredible ability to think on your feet and put this thing together. How did you overcome the nerves and everything that you would be feeling when you're with a student who has, who's unable to see and you're out doing something that they're probably scared about doing already, as most beginners are. We've got some butterflies and nerves. How did you work through that lesson? And, and from that, what were you able to bring into your teaching or recognize about yourself that, you know, I can do this? I believe that it takes a special kind of person to work with adaptive athletes. Um, you want to help them reach their potential, yet you want to be kind and empathetic along the way. 
Um, in, in a way, I, I, I just felt the change in myself when I was working with her. She needed that extra kindness, yet firmness, because if she didn't listen to me, I was going to kill her and <laughs> run her into a tree or something. So uh, there's a whole uh, litany of uh, emotions and things that you need to do as an instructor. And now PSI recognizes all those people skills in the newest manuals and their latest documents on how to treat people and get the best from the lesson. You know, and I, I laughed when you said uh, I was going to kill her because it, it sounded like, you know, oh, you were, you'd get angry with her or whatever. But no, you were literal with that. You have someone who, if she wasn't listening to what you were saying and you built that immediate connection, I mean, she could be in some real difficulty. Yes, and there we have a lot of responding. I mean, every ski instructor, whether they're working with adaptive or alpine, has a great responsibility for safety with their student, but especially with adaptive skiers that may not have total control right out of the gate, that's something that we just have to be conscious of. You know, we talk about following our passion and so many of us just love to teach and be working with our students. You took this to the next level. I mean, you got out there and you wrote uh, one of the first, or actually the first PSI adaptive manual. What prompted you? What um, motivated you to take on that project? Well, it's actually a progression, I should say, in that uh, here we were teaching adaptive lessons all over the map. Trav, we got a big sponsorship from the Southland Corporation and traveled to over 50 ski areas launching adaptive programs, but we weren't considered legitimate or that we were actually professional. So to that end, we decided we were going to try and work with PSIA and start writing uh, manuals that other adaptive instructors could follow and we'd have some consistencies. We wrote the first exams uh, that we had in Jackson Hole, which were on a national level. And we, we felt strongly that becoming part of Professional Ski Instructors Association was the key to our success in the long run. Now, what is your home mountain, Catherine, and what's your role there? Um, well, I've worked at a lot of different mountains, teaching both alpine and adaptive, and with some race teams. And um, but for for I just retired from a forty-five year stint with Achieve Tahoe at Alpine Meadows in Lake Tahoe, California. Wow. Now, let's talk a little bit about the American Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, you actually worked with that act uh, after it passed. You helped resorts update their procedures, welcoming adaptive athletes. Can you tell us about that? Sure. It was kind of a torturous process because I, I think the ski areas felt it was thrust upon them. And our job 
job. We There was like four of us that went around the country making speeches to the National Ski Areas Association and helping ski areas write long-term plans to incorporate the ADA. But the main thing was we wanted to help them design having adaptive programs, not require. It's such a beautiful thing to have an adaptive skier come there George yes I am and um, and and their whole family come with them the family buys lodging lift tickets food and just generates a whole bunch of goodwill so we were trying to show that well that was back in uh, the early 90s but 30 years ago uh, uh, an average adaptive skier brought 2.5 people with them to the mountain. So not only was it a good business, but it was the right thing to do. That an adaptive uh, skier had just as much right to be recreating on the mountain as the rest of us. And that was how we operated and tried to give the information across the country. Now, was there a lot of work on your part in getting uh, ski and ride schools to actually bring in some of the equipment that is required for teaching adaptive? Well, that's always a big stumbling block for an adaptive program is that equipment is expensive. And, uh, you know, we worked with programs on how to write grants, how to approach the Veterans Administration, how to approach their local service clubs to get funding. Um, A lot of uh, ski programs became a nonprofit at their ski area or they incorporated with the the ski area and had a nonprofit foundation where they could accept funding for equipment because let's face it, adaptive equipment is expensive. Ski equipment is expensive. So that was part of the the programmatic piece of helping uh, new programs was how to acquire adaptive equipment. And then that is kind of intimidating to have to learn, relearn how to use that equipment. So, I mean, there's more resources there and having someone who can actually facilitate the training for that. How are you able to encourage ski and ride areas to bring that into their school? It's how to get that equipment, but then how to actually have someone there who can train uh, us as instructors on how to use it. Well, my thought on that is that back in the beginning of the adaptive programs in the 80s and 90s and and late 70s, we would go to the ski area and teach their staff how to use it. But for instance, let's say that there is... uh, Uh, a ski area out here in Lake Tahoe and they don't have anybody on their regular ski school staff that can teach an adaptive lesson. So a long-term plan would be to use the first year to get two to three instructors trained in how to work with a non-physically disabled student such as cognitive uh, or uh, autistic intellectual disabilities 
And then the next two years after that, get a couple people trained in how to work with stand-up disabilities, uh, amputees, um, cerebral palsy that might be using uh, specialized canting or outriggers, stand-up outriggers. And then the last two years after that, get them trained in the sit-down disciplines. Uh, we do have six different disciplines, and and it's really helpful to have a trainer come in and work with uh, people on how to use the equipment and how to work with the different disabilities. You know, I've actually been very interested in learning how to teach adaptive, and I, I could never get around the fact that, you know, unless, George, you can get into a sit-ski, a sit-monoski, uh, and try it out, you have no business doing that just because I was too scared to try it. And uh, I got to tell you, that was an incredible experience to be out with Jeff Krill teaching me how to uh, use that equipment. And I was blown away. I loved it. Right. Well, you have to realize that the, the bulk of the disabilities now in our adaptive programs are stand-up cognitive intellectual disabilities. Uh, there were years when we had a 50-50 split, 50% physically disabled or sit down uh, or stand up physically disabled, such as amputees or blind, and then the other 50% were cognitive, and now those numbers are much higher, and therefore we have a lot of instructors that specialize just in uh, stand-up disabilities, but believe me, we love to do all of them because it's like a puzzle that we have to solve every time we go out, and again, it takes a special person to do the kind of training you need, and it's a lot of fun. That's all I got to say. Like, you had fun. I did. I had a blast, and it was such a, a feeling of accomplishment to actually come down in control within about 30 minutes of trying that out. Yeah. I, I hear what you're saying. It really <laughs> makes a big impact. Now, Catherine, I've got to ask, is there a single teaching experience maybe that really stands out to you, something that is just incredibly memorable for you? Well, uh, of course, like any ski instructor, I've had many great experiences over the years. Uh, this last year, I had a young man uh, in a monoski who's a fairly high-level spinal cord injury. And um, his mom, who was a nurse and had gone through rehab with him, was petrified that he was going to get hurt again because he's kind of a, a young go-getter, as we call them. Um, and uh, we worked a lot on the simple things, like putting on your own jacket, transferring into the rig yourself, making sure that you can make a stop or a turn when needed. Um, and before, he had just kind of been racing down the hill with not much control. And again, we were all scared out of our gourds that he was going to run into a person or a tree. And, you know, I think that was really meaningful to me that at the end of the couple lessons that I had with him, we had his equipment squared away so that he had more control. He was able to actually make completed turns, which was the goal of the lesson. 
and slow down as he needed. And, and he understood that that was an important thing, unlike a lot of our skiers today that just kind of go for broke uh, as fast as they can down the hill. And I felt like I had made a difference in his family, making his mom feel reassured and making him realize that he could go to any mountain as long as he could ski in control. So I felt really happy about that. That sounds incredibly rewarding. And to build on that, what would you say to an instructor who came up to you and said, you know, Catherine, I'm really interested in in teaching adaptive snow sports lessons. volunteers and I started as a volunteer and worked my way into becoming a full-time paid uh, instructor. So I think if anyone is interested in adaptive, they should go to their local adaptive program and just say, hey, can I shadow? Can I check out the lessons? Can I come to a couple days of training and just check it out and see if it's for me? Distinguished Service Award winner Catherine Hayes Rodriguez joining us on First Chair. From the PSIA ASI Studios in Lakewood, Colorado, I'm George Thomas.